Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Are we there? Thank you. Thank you. I want you to take your Bibles with me and go to Exodus, Exodus the third chapter, Exodus the third chapter. And so that I, I want to give you our announcements uh, here. Please stick with us uh, immediately after service today. We're going to be having a water baptism, and so I want, to, want you to stick around for that. Uh, also, uh, on Tuesday, we'll be hosting the North Texas Food Bank, and so if you know anybody that would benefit from that, please send them our way. We'll start uh, distributing uh, food around 9. We could desperately need your help, and so come on out. Uh, be here at 8.30 if you would like to assist us. And immediately following, we've got another little project. Uh, if you've got a few more, a couple more hours to spare, we have a retired uh, Assembly God World missionary moving into Greenville and needs help unloading a truck. And so if you stick around for that, I'll buy you lunch, okay? You can't beat a deal like that. All right. We're going to go uh, to the dollar menu at McDonald's and we're going to eat up, okay? Get, you can get all, you, everything you can get for a dollar, you can have, and we'll go on. All right. Uh, there you go. Praise God. Now, let's look here uh, at God's Word, and I want you to look here in Exodus. I, I was afraid Andrew is about to take off with my message this morning, uh, but I want you to look here. God's saying something. God's saying something this morning. I want you to look here in Exodus 3. Exodus 3. In beginning in verse 1. It says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Verse 2, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. And he said, Do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off of your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry. Because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Pezurites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me. And I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Now, as we look at the verse passage this morning, 
I want you to begin first off, church, and I want you to hear me in these introductory remarks. I want you to notice that there was a fire that was burning, but the bush was not being consumed. And in prayer, the Lord showed me something as I've looked and pondered this passage many times. And I believe it's a message for the church in this hour that we're living. The reason that physical, natural bush was not consumed is because there wasn't a physical, natural fire that was burning on it. It was an eternal flame. And the wonderful revelation of that is this. That eternal flame, though the enemy is desperately trying to put out in these last days, it's an eternal flame that didn't come from this world. It came from beyond this world to the eternal world. And you can't put it out. You can't go get water from the Nile and douse it because it won't go out. You can't go get the fire extinguisher and blow on it because it's not going to go out. It's not from this world. It is a fire beyond this world. You can't get a blanket and smother it out because it's an eternal flame. Oh, I recall a day when Pentecost would fully come and there was a fire that fell down from heaven. Amen? And it rested upon each of them. There's a fire that cannot be smothered. There's a fire that cannot be smoked out or soaked out, I should say. But I want you to note something. And when the Lord saw that Moses turned aside to look, see, Moses was drawn to that bush by a supernatural, spiritual phenomenon. The Lord saw that he was, it, it attracted his attention. We lived in Kilgore, Texas, our first pastorate. We won't get into how poor those people were, not in monetary goods, but how pitiful it was that they had to endure my first pastorate. But I remember a day we were going to pick up some young people to bring them to church, and there's smoke billowing out of this neighborhood. Do you remember that? And so we crossed over a few blocks, and we were noticing this 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 billow of fire just ascending up. We got there in someone's house. Unfortunately, it caught fire and it was completely consumed. But you know, by the time we got there, there was more than half a dozen. There was probably two or three dozen cars parked because when they saw the smoke and they saw the flames, they were attracted to it. If you're not a little low, let's move on. So we got over to this house, and sure enough, all of these cars were gathered around, and they wanted to see what was burning. I believe there's an eternal flame that God has reserved for the last day church that's going to rest. And just like in the beginning when the church started out in fire, I don't believe that we're going to end up in the smoke. 
I believe that God has an eternal flame that he wants to put in the heart of the people of God that he's reserved for these last days. And just like when the Spirit of the Lord fell there in Jerusalem, when they were waiting upon the Holy Spirit, I still believe there's a fire that will attract and it'll bring forth the language of the praises of God in every language. Amen? Now, we see here, Moses was drawn, he was attracted to this, and the Lord saw this about him. Then in verse 5, and then he said, Do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. As we look at that, what we must understand is that we cannot step into the presence of God with man-made materials, methods, and means. cannot step into the presence of the Lord because holiness comes from him not from us be ye holy for I am holy you get the holy flame in the heart of a holy person who has been made holy by the blood of Jesus Christ they will out holy the holiest because it's a relationship that they have with the risen Savior it is a, I don't want that anymore, I'm after that. I, I don't care for this anymore because my focus is somewhere else. I don't want the, the, the alcohol that I used to pour down my gullet in order to drown my sorrows because my sorrows have been drowned in the blood of Jesus Christ. I, I don't need to snort anything except for the radiant glory of God. I don't need to walk in an oppression and depression because my God has taken care of all of those things at Calvary. So as we see here, Folks, understand there's no one who wants to fill this house with glory more than the God of glory. There's no one that wants to fill your individual tabernacle with the presence than God does. But you can't get there by works. You can't get there by trying to be good enough. You just have to step into the goodness that's already there and just walk in the power of God knowing that the Lord is not pushing you away. That's your sinful nature. That's your lower man. He is You're pushing away. God has redeemed you and brought you into that place. It's his will that the power in the river and the Spirit of God move in this house every time we come together. As we look here, I want you to see, as we venture forward in this passage, moreover, he said, I am the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. You got to know this about the Lord, the God is a God of covenant. He's a God of covenant. If we want the provision of God, we've got to walk in the covenant of the Lord. God's not going to break his covenant. He's not going to, he's going to, he has fulfilled his side of the bargain. He, he's taking care of everything. Jesus is there mediating between God and man, not God and God. We believe in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They are one. 
And he absolutely is not in conflict with himself. If you've seen Jesus, you have seen the Father. He has revealed the Father. So when Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, what is he echoing? He's telling you this is the heart of the Father, that the Father's yoke is easy and his burden is light. Then he's lifted up those things. I need to keep going because this is just my introduction. This is what I want to get to today and beyond. Verse 7, and the Lord said, surely, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. How many times have you been in a place in your life personally? You can be a room filled with people but you feel so isolated and alone you come in and you got a smile on your face but something deep down inside you're broken and there's a desperation in your heart for somebody just to see you not your outer man, but your heart. You're trying your best to get a bold and brave front out there. But inside you're, you're crumbled and you're, you're, you're wondering, can anybody see me? Can anybody see me? The Lord declares to you today, I see you. I see you, church. I see you right there where you're at. I see you. Lost child, I see you. I see the yearning of your heart and the desperation of your spirit. I see your pain. I understand the shame. I understand the hurt and the remorse and the, and the guilt that the enemy wants to put upon you. I see those things. He said, I want you to go down and tell them I see the oppression. That word oppression means affliction. Some of you have wondered in the unjustness, the injustice of the situation you're in, the affliction. That word oppression means misery. The Lord says, I see that misery. I see that injustice. I see the affliction. That word also can be translated depression. Let me tell you what's been loose in the world today. Spirit of death, discord, and fear. It's attached to the pandemic. There's a pandemic of death. There's a pandemic of discord. And there's a pandemic of fear. It's not politically driven. It's not socially driven. It's not nationally driven. It's hell driven. It's hell driven. I had a conversation with a man in a public shopping place yesterday. 
who began to want to point fingers at some political parties and things, and I said, no. If you know my nature, that's not my nature. My nature is not to, I'm more like of a smile and pet you, and that's okay. You got your opinions, I got mine, let's go on. But I said, no, Andrew was sitting on the other aisle. She's like, who in the world has gotten a hold of my husband? <laughs> starting to tell me about this and that and masks and vaccines and political parties and everything is, is, is all about this one and that one. It starts pointing fingers. I said, no. I said, I'll tell you what's happening now, and you need to wake up and realize this is hell-driven. This is an antichrist. It's out to destroy, bringing death, discord, and fear. I said, your main point is you need to know that you know that you know that your heart is right with God and get everybody together to go because God is on his way. I've had enough of the discord. I've had enough of the death. Our prayer is God bring life, bring unity, and bring a peace in the heart of people. There's only one enemy, and it's Satan and all of his horde and all of the demonic forces. But let me tell you, we do not wrestle with flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. But let me tell you, those high places are not as high as the high one that's set to the seat of the Almighty God, and we trust in him. See, the Lord knows where we're at and he has divinely appointed you to this day. He has given you the assignment of the hour. I've seen, listen to the Spirit of the Lord. I have seen the oppression, I've seen the fear, the struggle, the trouble. That word can be translated trouble, poverty. I see how much lack you feel spiritually inside your heart. And I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. And I know. Mm. It's one thing to be seen. It's another thing to be known. I know their sorrows. That word sorrow means sorrow, grief, or pain. It's, it encompasses physical pain. It encompasses mental pain. He knows your pain. He knows your sorrow. He knows where you're at and what you're going through. He knows and he sees, he understands, and he sent a deliverer down to bring you out. Now, we see there in the Word of God, Moses, many of you already know this, but Moses' name literally means to be drawn out. I believe the Lord is drawing out the church. Now, where was Moses drawn out from? He was drawn out from the River Nile, the very place that the enemy used to destroy 
the firstborn in Egypt, threw them in the river and drowned them, was the very place that the Lord preserved his deliverer, and he drew him out of that river, and he hid him in Pharaoh's house for a day and a time such as this, so that there would come a day where the cries begin to go up to heaven. I believe there's prayer going up to heaven. I believe there's prayers of the church of the saints of the living God going up to heaven, and there's a desperation and a yearning of the God to see and to know, Lord, can you see my children? Can you see my children's children, Lord God? Can you see the state of our union? Can you see the state of our world? Can you see, oh Lord God, if you don't reach down and touch them, they're not going to make it, Lord. Can you feel what I feel, oh God? Can you see what I see, oh Lord? God, I just need to know that you know. And if I know that you know, and the Lord said, oh, I'm going to draw you up out of that suffering and I'm going to use you as a deliverer for the children. Now, I want to show you a passage that sparked this message today. Turn over with me, if you will. See, the Lord is, before I get to that, let me just say, verse 8, he says, I come down to deliver. I'm coming to bring you out to bring you to. I'm glad that the Lord always has a, I'm not just going to open the prison door and say, okay, run and go free. You raise an animal in captivity, they may not know how to survive in the wild, in their natural habitat. All they have known are the walls that are around them. No, the Lord, he not just opens the door, he tears down the foundation and disrupts the entire cage so that you can't get back in there. Once he gets you out, he doesn't just leave you out and say, okay, you're on your own, enjoy, be good, have, have a happy life, just fly, run free, go, 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 go. No, he prepares you because he brings you out of that place and then he brings his spirit, puts him his spirit inside of you, not only to deliver you, but also to show you who you truly are, that you're not an eagle in, a, in the hen pen. You're not there in the chicken yard. You're called to fly and to soar above the clouds because that's what you're purposed to do. That's what you're called to do. Oh, church, I think we've been living a little bit below our means. Amen? I, I believe that. Do you believe we're going to heaven come on do you believe Jesus Christ rose from the dead do you believe that you are rightfully made before the fearful hands of God is placed upon you to mold you and to make you into who you are supposed to be you think God makes junk you're called of God purpose to be here a part of his plan I'm going to be here as long as he wants me here. And I don't want to stay one minute past. I'm going to be here just as long as God wants me here. And when he decides my journey's finished, I'm out of here. When he said I'm finished, I'm finished. Amen? Oh, like Charles Spurgeon said, if you read an old bit in the paper that says uh, Charles Spurgeon is uh, no longer here, uh, he's dead and gone, don't believe it. Uh, that body is not where I will be. I will be in the presence of the Lord. I will be in the presence of Almighty God. What we see here is the Lord just didn't 
tear your prison down and say, go off and be merry and happy and live your life to the fullness. Keep a close eye on the Dow and the NASDAQ. Make sure you get plenty of Bitcoin. There you go, all the rest of it. I'm going to venture back over here because that's about as far as my knowledge goes on that. But see, the Lord said, Moses, I want you to go out. The Lord was not only delivering them out of bondage, but he had to get the bondage out of them. Freedom, hear me, hear me. Freedom with a slave mentality will only lead you back to bondage. Freedom with the slave mentality will only lead you back to bondage. The Lord was not just bringing them out of slavery. He was getting the mindset of slavery out of them. You've got to be ruled by the taskmaster. You've got to be ruled by, the, by Pharaoh. You've got to follow the world's rules. In order to be happy, in order to be able to accomplish anything, and the Lord said, no, I, I need you to come out because you're not building the devil's kingdom anymore. You're building mine. You're not going to be stomping out and gathering up the straw and putting the bricks in place and sticking them in the fire and continue to build the pyramids and the, and the sphinx and all the other things that you find in Egypt still today built by the Hebrew slaves. You're you're not called to do that anymore. You're not called to build the devil's kingdom anymore. You're not called to talk about your brother and sister. You're not called to destroy your home or continue in that self-destructive behavior of alcoholism and drug abuse and adultery. You don't have a special agreement with the covenant God. He is not reconciling to you. You're reconciling to him. And if you want his blessing, you've got to do it his way. And if he said it's wrong, it's wrong. And if you want it to be right, you've got to get the right one in here. He's not just bringing you out of slavery. He's bringing the slavery out of me. The only way to do that is he's got to change, he's got to dismantle the images of Egypt so that he can enthrone his image in us. Let me say that again. He's got to dismantle the images in me so that he can enthrone his image in me. Have you often wondered when the Lord brought deliverance to the children of Israel in Egypt why the long, laborious, plague-pouring-out event? Wouldn't it just stand to reason? You're free. Go. No, there was a challenge. See, because for 400-plus years, Israel, all they knew was slavery and the image that was presented to them by the Egyptians. So every plague that was poured out 
was a dismantling of a God, an image created in some man's mind, spawned from hell, but used in man's imagination to bring forth as they would shape out these images. And the Lord tells us uh, as a command, and he's going to instruct Israel, uh, don't make any images. Uh, don't try to define me. I'll define myself. I'll show you who I am in your heart in no other place. I'll show you on Calvary how that I came to earth, lived as a human, died as a human, rose as a human, and I will declare who I am to you and to the nations. And my image will be greater than the image of any imagination of man. See, when I came into the kingdom, I was a mess. I was a, aren't we all? Yes, amen. Welcome to the mess club. Amen. My initials are M-E-S, mess. That's what the Lord. I was a heap. I was one of those great potentials. Great opportunity. See, the image I had because of the world that I was living in told me I was like my father. But the image I had was my daddy was a drunk, my granddaddy was a drunk, I'm a drunk. We didn't drink for social reasons, we drank to get obliterated. We drank till we couldn't drink anymore. We drank till we upchucked it and drank some more. That wasn't, I smoked my first joint with my father. I drank my first beer with my father. I had my first shot of whiskey with my father. Let me tell you, you don't take a six, seven, eight-year-old child and start giving him cigarettes and joints and beer. That's not a good image, amen? Then my father checks out on me when I'm 14 because he never discovered that there was another image that he could walk in. All he had modeled before him was the image of the world. So he takes a 38 revolver, lays down after drinking his beer, puts it to his head and ends his life. Left me to deal with this crazy stepfather that I had that physically, emotionally, and sexually abused me. See, these were the gods that I looked at, the images that were coming back at me. I was told the entirety of my childhood, you are worthless and no good and you will never amount to anything. Images. Son, if you're going to get to where I want to take you, I got to get those images out of you. I got to get those images out of you. Moses, this is going to be a, a little bit of a painful process, but we're going to get through it. I just need you to know that I have spoken to you. I need you to know I've spoken to you. And if you want to know the signs, go back and look at Wednesday night. But he's there. And so now it's getting a little bit uncomfortable. See, this is the challenge. America, Church of America. What challenges us is our comfortability. 
You can do more for the power, through the power of the Spirit of God than what you even know you can do. There's more in you that the enemy wants to keep locked up, shut down to prevent you from having fulfillment and joy and hope that you could only find in God. He's going to tell you, you got to look like the world. you got to act like the world. If you want success, you've got to have a certain measure in your bank account. You've got to have a certain standing in society. And I'm for all of that. All that's well and good. I think the people of God are to be the most blessed people on the earth but folks let me tell you that's not what I am after there's something inside of you the Holy Spirit if you're a child of God and there's such potential but see it gets so grossly stifled because of this image that you grew up with. Did I ever tell you the story of the time I beat up the boy because he was a Pentecostal? <laughs> Lord, where are we going with this one? <laughs> I don't know why he made me so mad. He just did. He didn't do one thing, and it's the most shameful day in my life, I think. Who knew? Mm, somebody did. Get them Pentecostals or weirdos. They're speaking that devil language. I had no idea we were speaking against the Holy Spirit. So the Lord has brought me in and beat me up a few times. <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that. Anyway, see, there's things that we don't understand is that God has to take even those religious notions we have, even those thoughts of is this God or is this not God, if it lines up with this, you better stick with it. Amen? Don't go by what somebody else tells you. Go by what the book tells you. If you don't understand it, just hold on until the Holy Spirit reveals it to you. Amen? Because I was taught in my history and heritage that Pentecostals were crazies and that tongue talkers were speaking the devil's language. And so we had a pretty well dialed down place of worship, if you could call it that. I remember one Sunday morning, I spontaneously clapped because I enjoyed the song that the young lady sang. At that moment, I got so many eyes looking at me. I thought I had leprosy. I didn't know you could be happy and serve Jesus at the same time. I didn't know that church didn't have to be boring. Letha was aggravating me this morning, teasing me this morning because she moved the chair out from in front of me, and I said, now I got nobody to hide me while I go to sleep. Not that I would. 
But that's the way we used to do in church. We would come in and get on the back pew. If my mother would let me out of her sight long enough, and I would sit down, and we had the trick. We could lean over the pew and lay our head down, and we could be out in a minute. As long as you don't snore, you're all right. So I thought this is, God was just a boring God. And only nerdy people serve Jesus. No offense to the nerds. <laughs> nerds have gained great popularity these days. But see, when I found out that all my perceptions and my images of God were all wrong, that there is no life outside of Jesus Christ. There is no joy outside of salvation. You can't drink enough to get rid of enough inside of you. You'll never change your the image without the image bearer living on the inside of you. What has sparked this message was simply this. Psalms 15 Psalms, i got to find it here so I don't misquote it. Psalms 17 and 15, it says, For as for me, I will see your face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awaken to your likeness. I'll be satisfied, church, when we look at each other and all we reflect is Jesus. When we look into the eyes of one another and all we can see is the glory of the risen Savior and the finished work of Christ. Mm. See, we'll reflect the one we worship. Write these two Psalms down, Psalm 115 and Psalm 135. I want you to see something here. Now, Moses was sent as a deliverer, came down to deliver the children of Israel the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage. But not before those images were torn down so that God, through the blood of the Lamb, would deliver them out of that place. Because this was the threat for Israel, not for God, but for Israel. The same threat that's on the land today. If we don't allow the Holy Spirit to tear down those images of Dagon, if we don't allow the Holy Spirit to tear down those, in fear of the furnace, tear down the images of Nebuchadnezzar, if we're unwilling to go out into the field of battle like David and defeat the Philistines and find their, those images left out there in the field, then this is the threat that we face. But our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. I like that. This is Psalms 115 and 3. Their idols or images are silver and gold, the work of man's hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. Eyes they have, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. Noses they have, but they do not smell. They have hands, but they do not handle. Feet they have, but they do not walk, nor do they mutter through their throat. Talking about those images, have no life in them. Those who make them are like them. 
So is everyone who trusts in them. We reflect what we worship. We reflect what we worship. And if we worship an image that is not God, then we're going to be like that image. We're not going to have any power. Mm. If we're more interested in our politics than we are the revelation of the Holy Spirit in the last days, we may forfeit the power of God. I'm for spirit-filled conservative policies and politics. Don't misunderstand me. But we operate in a realm above this realm. It's the realm of glory. And it's time the church awakens to the fact that the greatest hope we have is in Jesus Christ, in the spirit of the living God. Because what we have to have is a move of God, move of the spirit of God. We need to bear his, we were created in his likeness. We were created in his image. And just as we have bore the image of the man of dust, we are to bear the image of of the risen Savior, and he is at the right hand of the Father. If we have died with him, we have also risen with him, and we are there with him to bear his image, to see the world through the flame-filled eyes of God, to illuminate the very glory of God, to walk in the authority and the power, to tread upon serpents and scorpions, to walk in victory through our faith in what he has done. Tired of the discord, tired of the fear. I'm sick to death of the death. God, bring life, bring unity, bring peace. Get vaccinated, don't get vaccinated. That's your choice. Wear a mask, don't wear a mask. That's your choice. Vote Democrat, vote Republican, that's your choice. Hold to patriotism, yes, that's your choice. But I'm looking above the hills at the horizon for the soon coming king. And I assure you, I feel every bit of the pressure that you do in this day that we're living. But what I understand is God knows. God knows. God knows where we're at. He knows what we're going through. And he's changing our image into the image of what we are meant to be, called to be, should be in Jesus Christ. I will vote for the political party who most aligns to the Word of God. Period. Okay? But that's not my thrust. I know some of you have already checked out. I'm going to check you back in. We're not finished. Let me ask you this. See, Moses could have ran from the call. 
But the Lord drew him out, just like he's drawn you out. I don't have the ability. Didn't ask you if you had the ability. I called you out. But Lord, look at all this suffering I've gone through. I know where you're suffering. I'm changing your image. Giving you the image of Christ. Putting a dissatisfaction in you until you are satisfied when you look like me. See, because what's going to get your children out of bondage? What's going to cause this next generation that all they have in front of them is these images of the world telling them that you cannot be satisfied with your sexuality? You can choose. What are we going to do with the generation that's not known the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? Could it be that there's a desperate cry in the heart of the church today? Say, Lord, we don't have the answers outside of you. Lord Jesus, come to this house, to this place, to this hour tear down all of the false images that are in my world. The voices of my past that tell me that I can't and I won't and I will never. The voices of the world that say you can just do it your way and be okay. The voices that say trust in this and trust in that. You'll be all right. Lord, I pray today, let us reflect your image. Take the slavery out of us that we may walk in the promises of God. Lord, take the false images, Lord God, out of us that we may walk in wholeness with you. Before you get angry with me this morning, some of you are. You giggle, but it's true. I just kicked over something. Before you get angry, go to God and say, Lord, what's the source of this anger? Is it him or is it you? But I want to ask you in this house today, heads bowed. Somebody came in this house this morning. I know you're here. You said, Lord, does anybody see me? Does anybody see me? Lord, can you hear my cry? Lord, do you know what I'm going through? Lord, I don't understand how to get out.
need you to bring me out. There's nobody looking around right now. If that's you today, just put your hand up. Just put your hand up. Put it, yes, 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 yes. I want you to stand all across this room today. Our worship team is going to make their way back up. Those of you that are being water baptized, you guys can go ahead and make your way to the back right now. Just hold tight. Just go ahead and get your clothes changed. raised your hand or you needed to and you just say God I'm just I'm coming Lord I need you to I need you to tear down those images Lord God so that I can come out to step into that place you've called me somehow some way the enemy doesn't know all the details but he knows that you're called to bear the image of Christ so for that reason alone, he's going to bring every bit of destructive force your way to destroy you. I don't believe his imagination is as big as God's. God knew the path that he had laid out before you. But he wants to tear those images. He wants to build these images up and get you to look at that so that you won't know what it means to live in hope and joy and fulfillment in Christ. So right now, if you raise your hand, if you needed to, you need God's touch in your heart, in your body, in your life. Come on. We're going to pray for you. We're going to believe today is your day. Today is your day. Today is your day. Come on. These altars are open. We're going to pray for you. We're going to pray for you right now. Come on. Come on.